The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. You are now about to take a journey with professional advisors Ken Smith and Ethan Broga on Empirical Investing Radio. For more information about Empirical Investing Radio, please call 800-923-4307. Fasten your seatbelts. You're going to need them. Just because the hosts have a sense of humor does not mean their advice won't change your life. Good afternoon and welcome to Empirical Investing Radio. This show is designed to give you insights on making smarter financial decisions. I'm Ken Smith, Certified Financial Planner with a Master's Degree in Financial Analysis and CEO of Seattle-based wealth management company, Empirical Wealth Management. I have my partner and compadre at large, Ethan Broga. Hi, Ethan. <laughs> hey, Ken. <laughs> Ethan is also a certified financial planner with a master's degree in financial planning and is the head of our financial planning committee at Empirical. We do the show every week as a way of giving back to the community um, by providing what we believe are sound financial insights based on evidence, uh, and that evidence is coming from the academic and scientific world as it relates to financial strategies, Ethan. I think that's what makes us very, very unique with regard to uh, those out there producing financial programs. Right. Um, what do you, how do you feel about that? I think you're exactly right. I mean, the, the, the core of what we do is, uh, aside from our own personal experience, try to bring and draw from resources that are, are beyond us, you know, beyond even you know, the, the smart people we have working here. But tap into the the many resources that uh, that uh, you know. Now we we like to have some fun, like to have some laughs. You know, that's also true. Bring that element in. <laughs> but at the end of the day, we think the approach that we take to investment and financial planning is really the way that individuals should be doing it, based on the evidence. It's exactly right, and. Uh, you know, a lot of the stuff that goes on, I mean, if you watch any of the programs um, that are on the financial shows and they, they bring these experts or gurus on, um, they seem to be very confident. They're always um, very polished, some very well-educated. Mm -hmm. the, um, the issue is that, that when you look at the results, and I think for us the practical results is what we're after, they're very poor if you, if you follow, if you were actually to take action based on the advice you get on a lot of those those shows so jim kramer for example i don't know that his investment solutions um have offered any value you know over over a well diversified structured custom tailored approach to building you know a portfolio mm -hmm. and getting through retirement 
or meeting your financial objectives. So like I say, it's not always as, as funny, um, you know, hitting buttons and screaming. I, I mean, we, we try to throw in a... We need uh, more buttons here. Yeah. But maybe maybe sometimes it should be a serious discussion. So that's what this is all about. And we'd love to hear from you if you have any financial questions, anything that you're thinking about making a decision on, whether it's an investment or loan or credit card or you know mortgage. Should I buy? Should I lease? Should I rent? Should I own? Um, identity protection, estate planning, retirement planning, anything that you've got going on, if you're willing to uh, submit it to us, we'd be happy to take a crack on on the air here at uh, getting you an answer to your question. And you can send us an email at contact, that's contact at empiradio.com. And uh, our number, in spite of what continues to be aired in between the breaks after 13 shows ago, I thought we were going to get this straightened out. Um, Seems is, like an easy fix. Shouldn't be hard, Simon. We have the recording, I think. You here know what's going on? So I just listened to it because we're coming at the end of this 13-week contract uh, pilot or second series here we've been on. Um, according to the numbers we get from the Voice America people, the ratings are skyrocketing. Going through the roof. 50% from the first month that we've started the program. So I know we're both busy guys, and we contemplated uh, maybe taking a breather. But, um, you know, we don't want to leave the audience in the lurch. The, the people are depending on you, Ethan. That's exactly right. So by overwhelming demand, yeah, that's it. Empirical well. Radio pursues on. But we just can't get the phone number right, Simon. Why don't you give the, the, the correct number out again, or I can do that real quick. <laughs> That's a good one. You just, sometimes you just got to laugh at stuff. You know? I get, instead of getting angry, you just got to let it go. Well, well, to be clear, our number here right. at the office, and again, we would love to hear from you. If you've got a financial question that you're, you're looking for some help, help on, you want some independent third-party advice, um, Feel free to give us a call. Ask for Ken or myself, Ethan here. And the number is 800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923. I'm just trying to get myself calmed down a little bit. Have you had enough coffee today, bro? Yeah. Well, I could actually... Can we get somebody, an intern or somebody, get me one? I I wouldn't mind a tasty beverage right now. Anyway, it's 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. All right, Ethan. All right. I think what this show needs is more cowbell. I, <laughs> I love that skit. That, uh, Saturday Night Live skit from way back. It was with Will, Fer- Will Ferrell and... Uh, yeah. And uh, who's the gentleman who said more cowbell? I can't remember oh, his yeah. name. Uh, isn't it Angelina Jolie's father? Uh, no, I don't think so. No? What's that guy's name? You know, uh, Simon? You ever seen that skit before, Simon? Uh, I haven't seen it. We'll look it up and get it on there next time. But yeah. um, He also plays the bad guy in uh, Video a Kill, uh, one oh, of those James Bond movies. Okay. I forget his name now. but Really funny. Anyway, um, as we digress, I thought we could do a little review here, Ethan. Um, you know, check a little bit of the news. Uh, check the, uh, the market sentiment here, as it were. See what's going on. Um, it's the end of the month. This is, as we record this, March... 30th. Mm-hmm. So the show will air tomorrow afternoon. And uh, so as we're at the end of the month, I thought it might be a good chance to review some of the asset class returns 
Talk a little bit about how we diversify among these asset classes and why it's a far superior strategy than something I just read in the Wall Street Journal about um, the giddy market and what one advisory company is saying about pulling all your money out of the market or buying puts and things of that nature. That sounds good. Let's Does do that it. Does that sound like a good time? Sure, or sure. Should we fire that up? or? Uh, let me... Uh, uh, let's pull up the data here. Okay. Update here. This is late breaking news here, Ethan. Um, so year to date, you know, we the the market hit a hit a hit an intra year kind of a, a low point, right? In March sixteenth, sounds right. S and P's up about five or six percent, which is quite shocking when you think about what's going on in the world and the pandemonium that. Um, you know, you have this huge earthquake in Japan and the uncertainty that that's going to ripple through their economy and through the world. And and then you have the Middle East situation. You've got commodity prices recently being... Jumping all around. ...through the roof, right. oils at all-time highs. Um, it would be very pretty easy to make a case that, man, the market, why isn't it lower? But, yes. Um, just as in previous time periods, the market never fails to surprise or you know do things to the contrary of what what conventional belief might be and so we'll talk about that a little bit sounds good uh, like where your head's at um <laughs> so year to date i'm just going to pull down the data we use uh, some of the dimensional funds phenomenal mutual fund family company they have some pretty good data that they put and we'll just use their funds as a kind of a proxy for some of these asset classes but year to date you've got they're large value, um, and they're passively managed, so we, we kind of use them as a good good measure because um, we can get daily data. Up about 8.6% year-to-date. Yeah. Not too shabby. That's amazing. Um, yeah, not too bad, huh? And let me check something else here. We'll see if I can have that data. Okay. We'll come, we'll come back to the one-year data. Okay. Mm-hmm. So then you've got uh, so large value being in the top. Now we said for last year it was small, small caps and small value, and that was on a global basis. But year to date, you got large U.S. value. Um, as we scroll down the list, you got small cap value seven point one six, small uh, about seven point one year to date, up, um, and then micro cap six point one six. Around there, six a little over six percent. Yep. How do you like that, Ethan? I think it's great. Pretty good stuff. Uh, international small value up four point seven year to date. You've got U.S. real estate REITs four point three. Um, hmm. If we look at international REITs three point nine. Uh, international value or more of a large value um, four point uh, one. In that zone, commodities, the commodity strategy, uh, 3.3, which kind of surprised me. You would, I, I think, um, you know, I don't know that that fund has been out since the beginning of the year, so we'll have to check that. Uh, maybe you could pop up uh, the GSP while I'm scrolling down this, see what the year-to-date is on that. Uh, surprisingly, um, Ethan, as we're looking at this, some of the emerging markets are, are kind of trailing. They're negative for the year. So last year, I think they were pretty good. But uh, if we look year to date, they're 
you know, emerging markets value, uh, small. Yeah, they're near the bottom this year. Yeah, year negative so small emerging markets small down three point eight. Emerging markets value down one point, uh, a little over one percent, and um, emerging markets large about even year to date. Yeah. So just, I mean, in year to day, we're talking about January, February, March, three months of data. But you can already see that the, the huge disparity or differences between the returns from top to bottom asset classes. Right. And I think it's, you know, to reiterate diversification, the value of the diversification is if we went back to January 1 and we said, geez, let's all make calls on what asset class is going to be up in three months from now. Mm-hmm. Very few analysts can predict and I would challenge anyone to email us if they have something we can verify as predictions as to which asset classes uh, would be ahead. You know, it would be if you organized them from top to bottom in this first quarter of 2011. Right. On a whole, though, a globally diversified portfolio, if we look at like a global equity, um, DFA has a global equity strategy that's got some tilts towards small in value, mm-hmm. as we find that that's where the long-term uh, return premiums are going to come from. That's a little under 5% for the year to date. Yeah, it's not bad. And I also have the, the starting date for the commodity fund you mentioned was uh, it's November 9th, 2010. Oh, okay. So it has been around. So that is the right number on yeah, there. That's correct. Right. Strategy. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with oil, I guess, going up at kind of oil and gold, I was a little surprised by that myself, Ethan. What was the number again for the year to date? Uh, it was, pull that up, it was about 3% or so. Oh, Oh, hey, whoa, hey, we got to hit the uh, brakes here for a second. Take a quick breather. We'll be right back. We'll jump back in. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790, 866-472-5790, Voice America Business Network. Are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor? Or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm? My name is Simon Liu, Portfolio Manager with Empirical Wealth Management, inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. Or visit our website at empiricalfs.com. That's E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S.com. Our mission at Empirical is to provide clients with the most effective, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. Empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients' interests first. Call us now to get started with a no-cost, no-obligation discovery process. The number again is 1-800-923-4307. Or you can begin this process on our website at EmpiricalFS.com. The incidence of autism has increased at an alarming rate. Approximately 1 in 150 children are affected by autism, giving autism the undesired ranking as the most prevalent childhood developmental disorder in the U.S. 67 children will be diagnosed today. That is nearly one child every 20 minutes. Autism One, a conversation of hope, brought to you by Enzymedica, hosted by Terry Aranga, illuminates how right now there is more reason than ever for individuals with autism spectrum disorders and their families to have the best hope for the brightest future. 
autism is treatable and given appropriate therapies, children are recovering. With well-known researchers and doctors, members of Congress, and expert service providers from a wide range of disciplines, Terry offers interviews and insights highlighting the progress in areas related to autism spectrum disorders such as biomedical research and treatment, communication, education, and behavioral modalities, sociological and philosophical issues, and legislative advocacy and insurance concerns. Autism One, a conversation of hope, broadcasts each Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Autism One, a conversation of hope. Through education and conversation, there is hope. What would you do if you knew that you could not fail? The Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile is a radio forum for some of the world's most influential people in the fields of health, wellness, and human potential. Dr. Pat brings together and introduces visionary scientists and futurists, environmentalists, educators, business leaders, inventors, filmmakers, authors, artists, mystics, and healers who inspire and support individual and collective growth and positive cultural shifts. This award-winning radio show empowers the listening community to be the change they want to see in the world. Tune in every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific for the Dr. Pat show with Dr. Pat Basile, radio to thrive by. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. You may also send an email to contact at empiradio.com. Now, back to Ken and Ethan. All right, welcome back to Empirical Investing Radio. Again, our contact information is, uh, you can shoot us an email at contact at empiradio.com. That's empiradio. It's actually radio, but I like saying radio. You're mixing it up a little bit. Radio.com. Or you can give us a buzz at 1-800-923-4307. That's... Oh. What are you from England all of a sudden? <laughs> I like it. 1-800-923-4307. Give us a call. Write us, email us, fax us, smoke signals, anything. Yeah, um, we'd love to hear from you. Give us a we, jingle or an email. We'd love to definitely love to speak with you. So then before the break here, we're just kind of doing a recap because we're coming to the end of the first quarter of 2011. And uh, we're going through the returns. And I wanted to clarify, the commodity uh, index that we like is that Goldman Sachs Commodity Index, the GSCI. Um, in large part because it's it's a little bit more free-floating in the way that it weights the commodities or some of the other indexes like the Dow Jones. Um, I think it's the AIG index, and there's a Deutsche Bank and a couple other other ones. But um, some of them impose um, certain caps on, on the different asset classes or the commodity components, and we wanted a little more free-floating um, so it kind of does it on a world production basis. So currently, oil is a, and energy is a pretty good component of that GSP. Yeah. If you're interested, I could pull it up and give you more precise numbers. But uh, anyway, we were a little um, we were pulling the the returns data down off of some of the DFA indices or funds that they have, and um, that commodity fund attracts a different index. But the the GSP is the symbol for the exchange-traded note, 
put out by IPATH, which is from Bar- Barclays, uh, that tracks that, that index of uh, broadly diversified index of commodities. And that is up, I'm um, just looking at a chart here. You know, I'm just pulling it off of MSN. And that's up, uh, what do we got here, about 9, 9% year-to-date, Ethan? Yep, looks like it. Um, so that being the case, that would actually be the top-performing year-to-date asset class. Right. Because um, we said large. And we said large uh, value. value. U.S. large value was up year-to-date around um, 8.59. Right. So uh, you know, we, we do include a small percentage of commodities, and I think 0 to 10% in a well-diversified portfolio is not a bad idea. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I agree. I mean, gee, you have a, a unique asset class that you know, has pretty good diversification benefits. It tends to zig while or other things are zagging, as it were. Yeah, I like the fact that, that it, it, it can be a pretty volatile asset class alone. Sure. But it's got some different components of return. Um, you know, it's they're, they're, the way that these get constructed, there are some, um, typically there's some, some futures that get used to, to enter into to get those, and, and then there's some uh, roll yield, what's called roll yield in there. But um, that's here nor there. It, it, it tends to be a good a diversifier, particularly when there is some sort of shock to the system. Um, which drives the co- temporarily drives commodity prices up. Now the gold. Oh, is this not exciting, Ethan? No, sorry. I, I need a cup of coffee, like you were saying earlier. Oh, okay. Um, how are we going to get this? How are we going to pull this through here? I think we can do it. Okay. Um, so anyway, Ethan, <laughs> <laughs> let's uh, let's keep pressing on here. All right. And um. The gold, what I wanted to mention is there's all this talk about gold all the time, so I, I feel compelled to talk about that. Yeah, it's everywhere right now. Year-to-date, gold is up less than 1%. Um, it kind of declined in the earlier part of, in January, and it's been slowly on the rise again. Yeah. Um, so year-to-date, it's about 1%. Right. But our preference is that you participate in commodities through a diversified commodity index, not buying gold directly or specifically um and if you are going to have it again i would i would keep it to a a maximum threshold or percentage of your portfolio right and somewhere between a zero and and ten percent would seem reasonable mm-hmm. oh righty then um hey you know i think that's generally yeah. true for a lot of things i mean taking the middle road sort is is generally a good idea i mean being on the extreme where you're placing very large bets right. with your money, maybe with your, your retirement money. Do you want to bet the farm on gold? Or do you want to bet the farm on any one stock? I mean, those things uh, are pretty extreme and probably, well, they certainly introduce a lot more risk, that's for sure, um, which I think most folks who are trying to invest smartly would like to avoid. So being diversified is a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're seeing it year to date, even though we're having a positive market. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's a point we like to make is that diversification is good in up markets um, as well as down markets. So it's not that, hey, in every single down market, you know, the, the definition of whether diversification is is adding value or not is only if, if uh, we're in a down market and by diversifying, you know, my portfolio never declines in value. If, if that's been your definition, 
you've set yourself up for failure. And it's been a misunderstanding of how diversification works. We've talked about this on previous shows many times, but I, I, don't, I don't think it can be iterated enough, Ethan, mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. the value of it um, is not only in down markets that it, and, and the type of risk that it's, it's, it's re- reducing is this catastrophic risk of your portfolio disappearing completely or to an irrecoverable level because the asset class you were in um, may never recover. Um, right. And if you stay in it, Right, concentrated in it, but it also is in up markets, saying that hey, we don't know from day to day. The market is pretty fickle about what it's pricing um, and what it's willing to pay for different asset classes. We know that in the short term, we just don't have a consistent scheme to identify that what the market is going to do in each of these individual asset classes in very short periods of time. So. Go ahead. And just to clarify, when you yeah. say we, you don't, you don't mean me and you. You mean we, the collective investors we, out there. We, the collective people. The investors out there. That's right. People who are investing, institutional or, or individuals. We, all of us, don't have that information. Not just you and me. That's not what we're That's right. About. Yeah. It's, it's overwhelming, the amount of evidence. And it's very easy if you just run your own experiment to see how little these prognosticators and market gurus actually know. Mm-hmm. which astounds and baffles me as to how it continues to perpetuate as a career path for people. Right. I don't, I don't understand it, but um, anyway. Yeah. And I would also add one, just one thing sort of uh, on that. I mean, you diversify to also avoid giving up returns. Like looking at the last year as an example, if you were to simply take a, only a bet basically on one asset class and you happen to bet incorrectly, you're going to be giving up a lot of return. And so looking at over, for example, the last one year, again, I'm looking at the, uh, the DFA website here, the uh, large cap international portfolio was up 20, 21% for the trailing one year, which is a pretty good return, but not so much when you consider that the best returning asset class, uh, at least um, uh, on, on the list here, was um, among them is the real estate uh, portfolio, 39%. You know, looking for the back, one year, we're for the one year return, trailing, yeah. trailing one year. If you were to take a poll a year ago and said, "Hey, who, what asset classes should you own?" You know, own it exclusively. You would have given up a ton of return. Looking at the difference between the S and P and this real estate internet, uh, real estate securities portfolio. The point is not to place bets. That's the point. Have a consistent allocation. That's how you're going to win the race. You've got to figure out how to ignore the general market news, right? And the constant predictions and advice. From the hip advice that gets given on various websites, newsletters, um, and TV shows. Yeah, that's. I mean, if there's if there was one nugget, one e nugget of, of knowledge here we could impart, it's hey, you know, the difference in what we're trying to do on the show and what ninety nine percent of what gets actually put out there um, is we're saying hey, we're not predicting the market. We're not giving you advice based on what the market is news is today. Micro or ma- macroeconomic forecasting, all that stuff, well, in terms of investments, doesn't work. Right. It's been I shown mean, again and again not to work well. It's great because we're all hungry. We all want to know the answers. Yes. We all want to feel like there's a way for us to make smarter decisions than the rest of the group. It's just impossible for that to happen. So uh, uh, excellent point. I mean, you have U.S. real estate up for the last trailing 12 months, the number one of the broad asset classes that we track, not all asset classes, but right. the broad groups that we track, stocks, bonds, large, small, 
growth value kind of stuff. And I'll just add one thing. This yeah, is add one thing. Through February 28th, so I have the month to end here and flip over to the next trailing 12 months. So trailing 12 months ending February 28th. Is oh, yeah, because they haven't updated last month. Exactly so. right. But anyway, what Part I was saying is a year prior to February 28th, I mean, people still haven't been incredibly positive about real estate. <laughs> Excited about REITs. So the fact that it's as it has done quite well from the market bottom yeah. is pretty interesting. Right. Um, because if we look at housing, I mean, we still get bombarded daily with the news. There was more news today about that or recently about that. Um, the newsletters are, the, yeah, home sales plummeted again 17% in February. I mean, pretty yeah, I was just reading in Pretty The amazing. Economist, I've got it right here, Ethan, um, about uh, the housing. Uh, it says America's property market on a losing streak, and they're talking about you know, Las Vegas as being one of the number one. Mm-hmm. It's, I think it's 60 to 70% off wow. of their peak values wow. and still continuing to decline. Amazing. And uh, just listeners might be interested, the 10 most foreclosure-afflicted cities in the country – Arizona, California, Nevada. Um, uh, let's see, the ten foreclosed cities are all in. Oh, okay, of the ten cities, the ten cities are falling in Arizona, California, Nevada. Right. It's on the west coast there. Mm-hmm. But um, what's interesting is if you diversify, right? Those REITs are not all. The publicly traded real estate is not. Oh boy, we got to take another break. So quick. We're coming fast and furious, but we have all these sp- sponsors clamoring to be on our show, and we, we've got to give them their time. Right, Ethan. Fair enough. All right. We'll be right back. markets up or down or if you're looking to improve your portfolio our experts are ready to talk to you call now toll free 866-472-5790 that's 866-472-5790 voice america business network are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm My name is Simon Liu, Portfolio Manager with Empirical Wealth Management, inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. Or visit our website at empiricalfs.com. That's E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S.com. Our mission at Empirical is to provide clients with the most effective, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. Empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients' interests first. Call us now to get started with a no-cost, no-obligation discovery process. The number again is 1-800-923-4307. Or you can begin this process on our website at empiricalfs.com. Never be satisfied. Let that be a lesson you take away from Double Time with Double D, featuring businessman and former NFL star Dave Duerson. We'll talk about the NFL with special focuses on the game itself, and Double D will take your calls and answer your emails live on the show. It's not Football 101, but rather an in-depth look in the locker room, on the field, away from the field, and opening up the mind of the player. The program will also feature positive messages. So tune in to Double Time with Double D, Thursdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. 
There's a course offered on 7th Wave Network that you never saw offered in college. One that provides information on how to transform ancient wisdom teachings into everyday life. You'll learn how to create from your spirit and explore the world with all of your senses. Participation is encouraged. Enroll in Spirituality 101, the course you can't afford to miss with your host, Reverend Norma. Class is in session every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time, in your favorite classroom, 7th Wave Network. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. You may also send an email to contact at empiradio.com. Now, back to Ken and Ethan. All right, welcome back to Empirical Investing Radio. We are recapping the first quarter of 2011. We're talking about the returns and uh, the different asset classes and diversification. And uh, Ethan, let's talk. All right. Ethan was a little little sluggish, so we got him a uh, caffeinated beverage. I'm going <laughs> to go crack now. this open for you here, Ethan. Wow, that's a good sound effect. Ooh, yeah. so, oh, that's the real deal. I see that's what you're a real doing there. De- hey, we're, not only do we have you are a rock star. digital sound effects, I'm a big believer in homegrown <laughs> sound effects, keeping Perfect. it real for the peeps. All right. Okay. So anyway, let's get back into the mix here, Ethan. You had a couple of quick points, and then I wanted to point out a few articulates. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I, finishing up on my, my last year's point about the trailing 12 months with the REITs being the best-performing asset class, uh, at least among the ones we're looking at here. About 40% for the trading one year. That's pretty significant. And if you had purposely avoided REITs because you felt that it was not going to perform well, well, you ended up hurting yourself. Right. And I think if you accurately measure those types of things, you know, those types of decisions that are made uh, for the purposes of trying to avoid losses, and you actually count for them properly, most of the time you'll, you'll find that, oh, you know, that didn't, didn't work out so well. Right. And similarly, I, I would bet that if we took a poll at the end of, you know, at a New Year's Eve party back in the, uh, December 31st, just a couple months ago, if we had said uh, among most investors, hey, what do you expect the next three months to, to hold in terms of stock performance? A lot of us probably would have said, hey, geez, I, emerging markets have been rumbling. They did great last year. I think that'll continue relative to S&P or other things. Right. But it was the exact opposite, right? You have this, uh, the emerging markets down 1% to 2 or 3% for the year to date versus sort of large, large cap U.S. and large value works were up. Yeah, because money was pouring into the emerging exactly. markets. So you can take those predictions and... Uh, Shove them in the, in, the, in the dumpster there, Ethan. <laughs> so that's why we the best approach is to, first of all, get an advisor who subscribes to asset allocation and broad diversification and getting the right mix, but then sticking to it and ignoring the rest. Uh, you got to ignore the nonsense. Yeah, you got to leave the predictions to the, uh, what do you call them, the charlatans and the who? The soothsayers. Soothsayers and charlatans. Or the it. psychics, as it were. Right, right. Yeah. So... Uh, any uh, who, Ethan, I thought we could um, click on a, uh, a couple of things here. I was looking through um, the Wall Street Journal, my online version. I like to keep, uh, I, you know, while we don't use a lot of the daily news to make 
prudent investment decisions, it is nice to know what's going on, and I love oh, to, sure. for the value of the and purposes of the show here, to make points. I like to grab onto articles, articles, and uh, one of the f- headlines right off the market section is uh, titled "Gur: Eight Reasons to Worry About the Giddy Market." <laughs> Did you just say "gur"? Oh, that's what that's what it says. <laughs> it says "gur." Oh, I see. I see. Gur, so, uh, kind of like a bear. Oh, that's a real holy mackerel. <laughs> Hold on, Cujo. Hold on. Holy mackerel. You ever watch that uh, wild Alaskan show with a guy that hung out with the bears and ultimately he, he did get eaten, but... Really? Yeah. Yeah, it was wild. Wow. Anyway. I missed that one. You could probably find it on the internet, but it, it's not a happy ending, that's for sure. You're not going to find me hanging out with a bunch of bears, but... Um, I hope not. Doesn't mean I'm always optimistic about the market or anything, but anywho, uh, let's talk about this for a second, okay? I'm going to I wanna put this in the vault. I'm going to go ahead and, if you could get that open, Ethan. Oh, it's really heavy. Hang on a second. It's going to take a second. You got that? Man. It's a heavy one. It's a heavy vault, brother. So from time to time, for those of you who are new listeners, because as we said, the numbers are increasing Going geometrically. <laughs> We probably have a lot of new listeners, but from time to time we do this vault segment where we put predictions in and then later try to take them out and see how accurate they were. And we've done a few like the Barron's predictions and some of the other things from various publications and uh, to show how oftentimes predictions are wrong. Yes. And uh, I'll come back to a couple other points, Ethan, with regard to that. Um, but uh, let's let's stay focused laser beam style on this article in the Wall Street Journal. And it says eight reasons to worry about the giddy market. Um, I'll just read this quickly. Financial, this is uh, by Tom uh, Larasella, Wall Street Journal. Financial markets are racing into the end of the first quarter as if all is well in the world. But macro risk advisors thinks that investors, and I'm going to put my radio voice on you, that investors may have rose-colored glasses on. I don't know. I can't do that. It's those radio guys. It was more like the guy from, what's the guy from The Office? Oh. Oh, yeah. Uh, is it Phil? <laughs> <laughs> no, what is that guy's name? Simon, do you know? The big guy, right? No, no. The, Norm? No, no, the main guy in The Office. What's oh, oh, I know. Michael. Michael Scott. Yeah, that's right. Okay. That was a Michael Scott impersonation. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, sorry it, about that. All right. <laughs> Anyways, macro risk advisors thinks that the invest that investors may have rose-colored glasses on. In a report earlier this week, MRA came up with the ominous named ominously oh geez, ominously named octagon of uncertainty that to them suggests the markets are mispricing risk. Uh, they recommend investors buy put options on the S and P five hundred spider exchange traded fund. Here are the eight. Here are the eight portents of doom, along with some additional comments from MRA. Sovereign risk is one. Contagion remains a, dis- a distinct possibility. MRA says, with, with Portugal seemingly on its way to a bailout. Number two, Middle East uncertainty continues to boil. Number three, crude prices. Not only have they risen, but options pricing indicates a level of nervousness that prices could snap higher quickly. Yeah. Well, they could, right? They, they, could, they could snap always, higher. They could snap lower. They could always do that. <laughs> Anything could happen, right? 
I agree. A and meteor the, could crash through this window at some point. I guess there's a remote probability of that. It's, yeah, I agree. And none of the, the top three are nothing new. I mean, we, we those have been known, at least concerns, for quite some time. I wouldn't imagine too many institutional investors where the you know the majority of the money is, the so-called smart money, right. aren't aware of those th- three things that these guys have to tell us about it. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> so, um, wow, in, rock, I think this rock starts kicking in. <laughs> Inflation or monetary policy, MRA notes, much remains uh, un- much remains uncertain. Um, they've got a little typo there says uncertainty, but it should be uncertain about the course of monetary policy in the U.S. But that's also the case elsewhere around the, the globe. We believe it is important to step back and recognize that we remain in unchartered territory with respect to global monetary imbalances. Uh, it surprises me. I, I don't understand. That's nothing new either. That's nothing new at all. And, and no. I, I'm, I'm surprised by that comment. U.S. housing. The data, the recent data has been particularly alarming. I get the, we've, we haven't had much good news in housing for three or four years now. Yeah, new home sales plummeted 17% in February, hitting the lowest point since... Records began uh, being kept in 1963. But that's, the market knows that. Wasn't a surprise, obviously, because, I mean, gee, the market's gone up since then. Earnings, MRA notes that expectations are for the S&P to post earnings per share, $22 for the first quarter, and 97 dinero for all of 2011. A 24% rise in earnings. However, MRA questions the degree to which earnings forecasts are properly factoring in the impact that higher commodities prices will have throughout the food chain, hmm. top of the food chain. The coming earnings season may provide a glimpse of the winners and losers in a world of rising input costs. Now, there there is something that that is a debatable issue, which is earnings predictions. Yeah, and um, we tend to have a positive bias in the da- data in the studies, the empirical studies I've seen. Um, that but just, it, that just means that the the distribution isn't necessarily like a, like a bell curve. There's a slight upward, you know, to the right movement of the data. The, yeah, the consensus um, tends to be historically, not at all times. I think when we go through times like yeah, these, they sure. can be overly pessimistic. But um, on in most cases, they tend to be a little bit optimistic. Uh, but I believe the market is pretty good about pricing in that optimism as well. And it is a major unknown. I mean, to to make a statement. Um, and to get paid for making this statement is what what I think is kind of ridiculous, that if earnings don't grow as fast as the market's predicting them, the market could go down. (laughs) Again, (laughs) nothing new there. Shocker. Right. So you're saying if they they miss expectations, that the prices will go down. Right. I can tell you that right now. It's always true. Right. And, (laughs) yeah, we have higher commodities prices. Let's put this in the vault at the end of the year. If earnings don't come in as high, is this expectation? Uh, I want to know if it is because of commodities prices, right? Because mm-hmm. they're either going to come in higher or lower in most cases. They rarely, rarely come in exactly at the right. estimate. Um, but the reason may be completely different, even if it does come in lower. It may it may have nothing nothing to do with commodities mm-hmm. prices not being properly um, placed in, into that. Although there's some pretty bright people out here on a day to day basis. In when I say out here in the market. Trying to analyze and and uh, and uh, make estimates on earnings, no doubt. And it would be pretty naive to think that these very bright people wouldn't consider the fact that commodities. When I've seen it talked about on CNBC, and when it's on CNBC, you know the data is in the market. 
<laughs> right. That's a good so, indicator, uh, right? Our friend, uh, author Larry Swedger, often says, hey, by the time you hear it from your stockbroker, by the time he's calling you with recommendation, or by the time you hear it from the guy that's on CNBC, the market is very aware of that data. Right. You know, to add, by the time you read it in the Wall Street Journal. So trying to make an investment decision with the notion that the market's missing that data is is not going to lead to a great outcome. Yeah, I was reading the one of Larry's most recent books, and he was saying yeah, Larry. he was given a, a talk with, I, I forget who exactly it was. I don't know if it was, it was um, clients or something that, similar to that. Anyway, at the end of the talk, he, he basically said the whole time, hey, future predi- predictions about the future are basically worthless. There's no, no reliance on any of them. Um, whether they work out or not, it's completely random. And in spite of that, people at the end of the end of the, the talk were asking questions to the effect of, hey, what do you think is going to happen in the short term with the market, Larry? Yeah. <laughs> hold, hold that thought a second, bro. All we, right. We've got to take a quick break. We'll be right back. It's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor? Or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm? My name is Simon Liu, Portfolio Manager with Empirical Wealth Management, inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. Or visit our website at empiricalfs.com. That's E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S.com. Our mission at Empirical is to provide clients with the most effective, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. Empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients' interests first. Call us now to get started with a no-cost, no-obligation discovery process. The number again is 1-800-923-4307. Or you can begin this process on our website at EmpiricalFS.com. Spin It with Chuck Foreman has a spin on so much that's going on, it will be hard to fit it all into the promo. We'll talk about the weekend games, what to look forward to, hot topics in the news, Spin It Old School, which gives a back-in-the-day approach from Chuck, a no-spin zone where Chuck gives an unbiased opinion and lets you do the same. Chuck will be taking us around town and around the world with news, happenings, and more. It's football, news, and happenings. Tune in for Spin It with Chuck Foreman. Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Holistic living is nutrition for not just your body, but your mind and your soul. Holistic nutrition goes far beyond the foods that we eat or the supplements that we take. Discover natural means to heal your body and regain your innate healing powers. That's Holistic Living with Tina Marie Jones on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel, live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. Tune in for your weekly dose of good holistic living. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. 
To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. You may also send an email to contact at empiradio.com. Now, back to Ken and Ethan. Okay, welcome back to the last segment of Empirical Investing Radio. Again, if you have any comments, um, you want to have us answer a question that's on your mind. Um, We haven't done the mailbag in a while, Ethan. Shoot us an email, contact at empiradio.com. That's contact at empiradio.com. You can call us, and if you want to talk to us about how we can help you personally, be happy to... uh, give you a no-obligation overview of what we do, what you've got going. Give us a buzz, 1-800-923-4307. And uh, if you're a financial advisor out there looking to connect with a firm, we, we are looking to add the right type of person to our organization. So feel free to shoot us your resume at that email uh, or give us a buzz at the number. Ethan, we've got uh, about eight, seven and a half minutes. Let's. You were making a point. And uh, we, we were progressing through this Wall Street Journal article for the vault. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've got a few more to go, but we had just made it about the inflation monetary policy. Um, that uh, Oh, I'm sorry. We were just in the earnings component, How they, they, this MRA group, um, which I haven't heard of, but Macro Risk Advisors, was saying that, that, that uh, the consensus estimates may not um, be accounting for the impact of higher commodities prices. That the market, basically, in essence, may be missing the boat here. They're not. They're not realizing that higher commodities prices could have an effect on earnings. And um, I was commenting that not only have I read that in various places already, but I've seen it on CNBC. By the time you see it there, it's not valuable information anymore. It's nothing new anyway. No. No. Um, the real issue is, once again, that you don't know what's going to happen with it. So, no, they don't know how it will. People who are looking at this won't know how the rise of costs <clears throat> will impact profits because they don't know with precision what the rise in prices will be. You better believe it. That's the issue. So it's nothing new, though. Nothing new under the sun here. Um, the other issue, U.S. fiscal adjustment, MRA, preponders the impact of the U.S. reigning in its budget deficit. With the private sector deleveraging, the government has been the only source of credit growth over the last three years. If the austerity theme continues to catch on, this becomes less feasible. Um, you know, I know we wrote a paper about the budget deficit, mm-hmm. what, over a year ago, yep. probably? Um, Toward the market bottom. The impact and the issues about that are very well known. There's nothing, nothing hidden about the fact that we've got a burgeoning budget deficit, and the potential pitfalls of that. So I don't, I'd, I don't know. I, I'd have a hard time believing that the market... Again, if we think back to the financial crisis, Ethan, mm-hmm. and you think about there were a very tiny, tiny number of people out of millions right around the globe. We're talking a handful that publicly we can go back and see on statement that said, hey, you know what, This this the way this mortgage subprime mortgage situation is set up, um, we're in big trouble. You know, this is going to, this is going to collapse the global financial markets. We're going to have a huge stock market crash because of that. Um, that was knowledge, right? If it was being published on the, in the wall street journal and 
every day CNBC was rolling out people to say, hey, we, geez, here's what's going to happen. We've got this subprime mortgage mess. And not only that, but these big institutions that are financial um, financial financial pillars in, in our in our economy um, are wrapped up in these complicated credit derivatives, these credit default swaps that are leveraging their bets on bets, basically, um, because a lot of the companies themselves, the CEOs of AIG and Bank of America and these other institutions really didn't fully understand the risk exposures that they had, right. that their traders were taking mm-hmm. in these positions. Um, now, if you got insight or got a hold of that data and were able to trade on it by shorting that market or the stock market, you had something there. Mm-hmm. Um, but what was notable about that is that that information really wasn't being broadly publicized, or the market would have adjusted to it a lot quicker. The crash wouldn't have been in, the 2000, right. in 2007 or into 2008, would have been years before when it was publicly known. Right. right? I mean, as soon as, I think it was an analyst from Oppenheimer that was interviewing one of the, I don't know if it was Countrywide or one of the major um, uh, lenders and said, hey, these guys don't, this is not, this doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. Um, And these guys don't know how they're making money. Um, And things started to begin to open up to the public knowledge. And the market rapidly adjusted. (laughs) That's why we saw the the collapse (laughs) of prices. Right. And it adjusted rapidly and proportionally to the information that was out. And then as more information came out, um, it continued to adjust. And to a level, the markets do get irrational. I mean, once there is a scare, you know, who knows? It can go up. Uh, it can go down um, far beyond what, you know, fundamental analysis would, would state, you know. But uh, anywho's it's... Uh, and the last thing they have here is risk appetite. All of the preceding factors ultimately threaten to derail the risk appetite that has been so critical a component of the global asset reflation story. And I think when, one of the things I want to come back to the title of this, Ethan, about reasons to worry about the giddy market. Just a reminder, and maybe you could call the macro risk advisors, Ethan, and remind them that before the decline, the, the Dow was what fourteen, close to fourteen thousand. Fourteen four, I think, was the peak. Um, so we are still a long ways off from even being where we were before the market. I mean, it's when you say giddy, it, it wasn't that it wasn't necessarily that the market was uh, in some kind of an overinflated bubble. When we look at stock market values, right? We clearly went into a recession, which hammered earnings exactly um, as a result of this subprime, the, the bubble in the real estate market, um, which triggered that. But it was a little bit different than the decline in, in 2000, 2001, 2002, where mm-hmm. valuations just got completely out of whack right. uh, on, on stocks. So as far as a giddy market, I don't, I don't know. I mean, when, when I think of a giddy market, I think of, again, grandmothers going out on margin. Irrational to buy exuberance. Call options on tech stocks. <laughs> yeah. Right? All right. I mean, that's when I start thinking, wow, the market is really giddy here. We're, we're in a frenzy because we've got retired people selling all their bonds, buying not only stocks, but focusing on small sectors of Internet stocks that have no, no earnings and no assets. That's giddy. You know, I'd say maybe we're giggling, but I don't know if we're giddy. Giddy up. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm not saying the market's cheap either. My point is that you have to take any of these, whether they're positive or negative, with a grain of salt. 
And you also have to ask yourself, is this a widely uh, known set of data that's being put out here? Um, is it likely that, that the market at large, and that's their point, is they're saying, well, the market isn't aware of these things. But I would find that very hard to believe since they've been well-published in virtually every financial piece that you can you can dig up. Right. I mean, um, it isn't like, well, maybe one publication missed it. These are issues. If you read The Economist or you read, you know, um, any if, of the If you the walk around and, and have your ears and eyes open, you know that's the, or are aware of the things. Now, the issue, again, is how, how will those things actually play out? That's the part nobody knows. Right. And that's that. If they that had a way to figure that out, that would be the real news to me. That would be very valuable. So, I mean, valuations are one way. Maybe the next show, Ethan, we can go through the valuations on the different asset classes and talk about that a little bit. Because okay. there has been some data. Um, oh, boy. End of the show. We've got to wrap it up, Ethan. All right. But there has been some data to show that, you know, there may be some significance in looking at, at the valuations right. when you enter the market mm -hmm. um, into that. We'll talk about that next week among a variety of other interesting and compelling topics. Thank you very, very much for listening to us, and we'll talk to you soon. Take Have care. a great week. We hope you've enjoyed Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and Ethan Broga. Please join us again next Thursday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. And for more information about Empirical Investing Radio, please call 800-923-4307. We'll see you next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.